0: Welcome to In20XX. This series takes the listener, year by year, into the future. From 2040 to 2195. If you like emerging tech, ecotech, futurism, permaculture, apocalyptic survival scenarios, and disruptive science, sit back and enjoy short stories that showcase my research into how the future may play out. Time travel is very costly, energy-wise. The more mass you're attempting to move in time, the costlier. To move a single-cell organism would be like trying to move the Earth's oceans to Mars in one trip. Even moving information through time will require astronomical amounts of energy when the information has mass. Written in 2157 by Dr. Frank Normal Misty drives her truck down the road on the reservation. Patches of snow whiten the mountainous land. Rows of wind turbines stand as tall as city buildings. Their blades turn slowly. Her 2020 Ford squeaks and rattles. She's blasting the heater and savoring the warmth. She's got Jordy on the speakerphone. No, I asked Denny. She doesn't have it, Jordy says. Did they check by the shed? Misty laughs. I didn't follow them around. They may think I have a screw loose if I follow them around. Jordy says. Well, could you keep an eye out for it? Ahead, two men stand by two parked cars. One waves at her. She says, Yes, yes. Hey, Jordy, I've got to go. Talk later. She picks up her phone and hangs up without looking at it. Getting closer to the men next to the road, she recognizes them, Ed and Corey. Rolling down her window, she pulls up beside them. Cory steps back. Ed smiles nervously at her. Hey Mist, heading to the gas station? Misty says, yeah. The cold air rushes into her cab. Ed says, Molly isn't answering. Do you think you could ask her to call me? She says, I guess so. He says, thanks. Hey, you might want to buy an extra can of gas. You know the station is going to close soon? Misty wrinkles her nose. Really? Damn, the next station is miles away. Ed nods slowly. Yeah. You know I've been thinking about buying that station. It's the only one on this side of the res. She laughs. Oh wow. But you know you'll be a babe magnet if you do that. Corey looks at the sky and Ed looks at the ground. Yeah, well... Misty says. I'm kidding. He grins at her, squinting one eye. Yeah, I know. Corey smiles a little and looks her in the eye for a moment. The wind blows his long black hair. She's rolling up her window. I'll let Molly know. As he nods, she drives off. A week later, Misty is in an old, gas-powered SUV with three others. She rides in the back feeling cozy knowing it's cold outside. They've road-tripped through all the stages, chatty excitement, reverie, punchy exhaustion, taking turns driving while others sleep, and back to chatty excitement in the morning. Of course, they play music. Tyler has the largest selection and pairs his phone with the car stereo. His playlist is a mix of traditional with the songs. The kids are listening to these days, Misty's dad would call it, She likes the way she can feel the drums in her gut, like thunder. Misty laughs to herself. You know Janine goes outside whenever she needs to fart. Janine punches her shoulder. No way, I do not. Tyler keeps his eyes on the road, but Mika looks back, smiles, and shakes his head. Misty straightens her smile. Have you ever seen her just step out for a minute or two? That's what she's doing. Janine hugs her legs. Stop! I just like to step out for fresh air sometimes. Mika says, Yeah, I think I've seen her step out for just a minute. Away from the road, up the hillside, a cluster of McMansions is half built, and the scaffolding and construction site look vacant. Misty says, Those look out of place. Are we near a city? Janine says, You still haven't told me what you're going to do. Tyler calls back not everyone gets a scholarship. Misty says, I don't know. I kind of feel like I want to do something, but I don't know what. Janine says, what do you mean? Mika says, be a talk talk star like your mom. Her mom is one of the original native talk talk stars. Tyler says, really? Misty shakes her head, watching the terrain. Brown grass covers what may or may not be used as crop fields anymore. Far to the south, multi-story industry buildings contain hydroponic farms. The news says water is getting too expensive to grow crops outside anymore. She remembers when she was little, endless driving through land and sky, often the only ones on the road. Now there are always other cars and a house or two or twenty. A swarm of giantess drones carry packages over a field. Most of the rocky lands remain untouched, but the lands that look the prettiest now have houses on them instead of farms. With more people working in VR, city people just buy some property in the sticks to live on. Janine checks her weather app. Clear skies. Misty says, we passed a station 10 minutes ago, but it said charge only. Mika says, I know. My phone knows how much gas we have and can tell us where the gas stations are. Misty says, does it ever tell you there are no gas stations for a hundred miles? You may as well stay home. Mika says, not yet. Tyler says, the tank on the back is full. Janine says, I'd hate to run out of gas out here. Misty groans empathetically. I know. It scares me. It used to be the EV that had trouble cross-country. Janine puts her VR shades on misty takes out her phone she has one of the new triple fold phones with Oreo capabilities meaning it tracks her eyes and she can look through it like a window into 3d vr worlds she follows slash directs a pink bear through hills of flowers having to avoid the hell pits and trying to keep up with the bees that will lead her to honey a caravan of autonomous semi-trucks passes them tyler asks mika did you bring the gas canisters he digs through a duffel back on the floor and pulls out a metal cylinder the size of a pop can. Yeah, I have four of them. Misty asks. What are those for?" Tyler looks back at her. Just in case there's a mass shooter at the powwow. Smoke screen. Still moving her head to whatever she sees through her shades, Janine says. There won't ever be a mass shooter at a powwow. Mika says. You don't know that. Misty says. No mass shooter is going to shoot their last load at a powwow, they want glory. Tyler sits up at the wheel. Yeah, like a Jewish temple or a daycare center for blind babies. Misty says, no wait, a black Jewish daycare for blind children. Mika says, something newsworthy. Janine says, because if a mass shooter even knew that powwows exist, that would be one woke mass shooter. Misty smiles broadly woke mass shooter. Tyler says, could be a native mass shooter. Everyone's quiet for a few moments. Misty says, ah Tyler, you've gone and killed the mood. Tyler says, it doesn't happen until it happens. Mika says, did we prepare any other way? Misty says, I have bear spray. I always have bear spray. Tyler says, I have a pistol. Mika says, Me too. Janine takes off her VR shades. My jacket can shock you. Tyler says. What? Janine says. It stays where. When I have it on, I won't get shocked, but I can shock whoever is grabbing me. That's what this lightning bolt patch means. She points to a patch over the breast pocket. Tyler says. Noted. My jacket is bullet resistant, that's why it's stiff. It can't stop clean bullets, but the ones that shred the flesh, it can reduce the harm those can cause. Janine says, It's like your jacket has a plastic lining. Mika says, My cousin has one that can stop bullets. I tried it on. It has what feels like square tiles sewn into it, but it didn't weigh much. Tyler says, Better safe than sorry. Mika says, It was expensive though. Misty says, the girls know that it's a great way of saying look at me i've got the cash janine says the persons of interest know that misty says yeah yeah i'm sure the powwow will have good security tyler says on the website they said they have ai cameras that can detect concealed weapons and robot noses that can smell explosives mika says i guess metal detectors aren't enough anymore All the guns are plastic now. In a small town that was a couple of houses two years ago, they park in front of a grocery store, climb out of the car and stretch their legs. Misty turns a slow, full circle, taking everything in. Main Street elbows off from the road that goes through the town and every intersection has an island in the middle. The storefronts are all different from each other, but the stories above them all look more or less the same. Lots of people walk around. When she was little, the drive always involved hours through white rural America. Now even rural America isn't so white anymore. She feels less like an outcast. When she was a little girl and her family stopped to get gas, all the white people at the station tried to act like they didn't notice. Even if she doesn't understand the newcomers as well as the average country white person, she likes that America is browner. A lot of these people wear expensive casual wear most of the cars around here are expensive evs everyone acts chipper peppy brown and black folk living in the country her grandfather wouldn't have believed it she reaches into the car and grabs her jacket with the native pattern she wants people here to know she's from here 10 years ago she'd have left the jacket in the car walking to the store entrance with her friends her phone buzzes the screen says Warning, High Population Area! She installed this app, thinking it would help her choose safe places, but this is the only grocery store in the area. Maybe the app will be helpful when they get to the city and she can make choices to avoid the high population areas. The store is crowded, but Tyler's phone tells him where all the items on his shopping list are, so it doesn't take long for them to fill up their cart. Misty gets some smiles from strangers. The people here seem nice. At checkout, all they have to do is put the items on the conveyor belt. A robot arm places the items in bags and the bill appears on Tyler's phone where he approves it. Misty says, I can't believe we have to carry the bags to the car ourselves. Mika smiles. Shut up. Outside, a young, white woman with robot legs walks in front of them, obviously a vet. Misty pretends not to notice. The woman probably just came back. It looks like she has a control in one hand to control her legs. Maybe she just has keys in her hand, but most people don't have keys anymore. Janine says, I wish we had a grocery store like that on the res. They all nod. Yeah. Tyler says, Hey look, the carts are returning to the store on their own. Misty says, We haven't even gotten to the city yet and we're already seeing cutting-edge stuff. A woman and girl walk by Tyler's SUV, and the girl covers her mouth and nose. Janine says, I guess she doesn't like the smell of gas cars. Tyler grunts. Back on the road, they all look when they drive past one atmosphere cleaner after another, rows of fans and boxes, as tall as grain elevators. The tiny figure of a worker climbs a metal ladder on the side. Janine says, I forgot how big they are Tyler asks will they really help Mika says I heard they help Janine says I heard they cost a lot of tax money Misty counters not as much as the military Mika says they clean the air too Janine says so Mika says so less illness Misty you can get a job working on those It'd be better than joining the army. You get the same free college as people in the army. Misty says, Um, I don't know. In a scenic valley between mountainous ridges, they drive by a development that imitates an English countryside with river stone houses, curving stone walls, and tall bushes. The sun comes out and Tyler turns off the heat. They pull over at a rest stop, help themselves to free coffee, and eat lunch. A couple argues. The woman remains in the front seat of their camper van while the man storms off just to return moments later. Misty catches Janine's eyes and makes an, oh my god, face. Janine smiles, shrugs, and flexes her neck. After driving half an hour, they pass a reader board framed by brick and far back from the road, big brick buildings stand. Misty asks, what are those? Mika says. It's an orphanage. Misty says, I don't remember there being an orphanage. Mika says, There wasn't. Misty says, Scary. Tyler says, Better not be any of our children in there. Janine says, They remind me of an insane asylum. Misty leans toward her pulls a frown. From a horror movie? Janine scoots around on the seat. Yes. Tyler says, I saw a talk talk. someone asking, Should I leave my baby at the fire station or should I leave my baby at the church? Misty says, I could never do that. Mika says, So don't get pregnant. Misty says, So don't make me pregnant. Janine says, You're on Venzane, aren't you? Misty says, Yeah. The sun is setting by the time they reach their vacay room. Tyler's phone leads them on a drive between a house and fence to a building in the back. After parking, he types in the key code and they enter. I can't believe how much they charged for this little place. Do you remember when we stayed in that cabin that had 12 bunk beds and that huge fireplace? That wasn't even half as much as this place. Someone converted this house to an inside-out house. Instead of rooms connected by halls, Doors on the outside open to one room each. To use the kitchen or bathroom, you have to leave your room and walk around the building to the doors that open to those two shared rooms. Of course, there are security cameras outside and in the kitchen. They eat a simple meal, sitting on the two beds that cover most of the floor. One by one, each takes a shower. Rock music from one of the other rooms leaks through the walls. The one little window offers a view of bushes. They all sit on the two beds, Mika says. Before we forget, let's all download the app that lets us all keep track of where we all are. It can give you directions to one of us if you get separated. All four go into VR spaces. Tyler and Janine are in the same VR together with other people they know. They both wear VR shades. Mika has an older VR headset, bulkier and dorkier looking. Misty's phone folds out to a 13-inch screen, but she just has to save up for some of those VR shades. She watches Turn which is like video, but with some 3D capabilities. She's seen some footage that you can move around in while it's playing, and it's like a game where you search around for things you haven't seen in the footage before. Right now on Turn, she follows two awkward guys through some caves. She can look around the caves by tilting her phone. Eventually, everyone falls asleep. Misty is in that place between dream and waking. She's deeply relaxed, barely aware that she'll wake up soon. Her eyes are still shut and the dream she's been in still lingers. In the dream, she's in a hall trying to climb down through a hole in the floor to get outside. This is not my dream. Why am I thinking that? This place isn't one of my dream places but it's a dream. She waits to hear the others. Tyler snored last night, but he isn't snoring now. Is Janine still asleep? It'd be funny if I got up first. I'm usually the last to get up. The bed feels much more comfortable than she remembers it being last night. It feels fluffy like she has just lain down on it when surely she has been on it for hours. The air is filled with a smell she's never smelled before. She can't begin to categorize it. Isn't that bad? Misty sits up and looks at her hands. Her hands are not her hands. They are pale, masculine, wrinkled, and hairy. Misty gasps, rolls off the bed, and gets to her feet. The sheet falls off her, and the bed is giant in an impressively clean room with a high ceiling that's growing brighter. A disembodied woman's voice says, good morning Wardell. Somehow she knows the voice plays inside her head. Something dangles between her legs. She's dangling between her legs. She can feel it. Her private area has fallen out of her. She shrieks. The voice says, your heart is beating fast. Breathe. Have a seat. You are panicking. Misty trips over an ornate table and falls backward. VR buttons appear before her. Call medical, call police. She swipes at her head, but she isn't wearing any VR shades. Her lovely long hair is gone. She's in the wrong body. She can't believe how much the simple fall has hurt. It aches to stand. The voice says, Your heart rate is too high. Your surroundings are safe. Please take a seat. Besides her eyes, All of Misty freezes as she looks around, trying to grasp what's happening. Where's my phone? She walks from room to room, afraid of who she might bump into. The six rooms comprise someone's personal space, but much of what she finds mystifies her. She can't find a kitchen. The walls of the dining room are covered with doors. Windows on one side of the apartment show sky through giant netting that hangs far above. The netting undulates no one else is here so she lets down her guard and tries to relax in the next hour she comes to bear that she's now in the body of a middle-aged man not only is she in his body but also in his brain his memories habitual reasoning and skills are there for her as they were for him his knowledge of what does what his feelings about this thing or that and vague thoughts that she knows belong to him float into her mind It feels like she's being forced to listen to someone else's music turned up to max volume. Sitting, she says, Hello? Are you here with me? Do you know I'm here? The voice, his assistant, answers, I'm here to help. Misty says, Not you. His brain is all here, but his mind isn't. All the lights are on, but nobody's home. Something moves in one of the dining rooms. She smells an approximation of hot coffee, eggs, toast, and bacon. Breakfast awaits her on the long table. A glass mug holds a dark brown liquid that gives off steam. The food looks real. His body is hungry, but she isn't in the mood to eat. His name is Wardell Holdreth. This is his apartment. He needs to go to work soon. But where is my body? Is my body safe? What if he is in my body at this very moment? The assistant says, Time to go to work. She feels his body going numb. His brain wants to walk over to one of the sofas. She takes a step but stops. His body is getting icy under the skin. Take a seat if you don't want cramps. His brain tells her. The body stiffens, and a numbness turns off all her slash his senses. The assistant says, going to work. She's in a hall. It looks too real to be VR, but his brain tells her it's a VR world. It looks like the hall she was dreaming about. His brain thinks he should walk down the hall. She walks down the hall. Windows show offices. There's no smell. Voices come from rooms. She knows to walk to the door at the end of the hall, where his office is. As she passes a doorway, a woman says, Good morning, Wardell. A small woman sitting at a desk waves to him. His brain feels the need to promptly wave back. Misty waves back. His brain feels a little pressed on by the woman. He should act friendly toward her, but she hides nosiness behind friendliness. His brain positions itself to communicate evasively with her. The woman asks, How are you? misty says good i'm a little behind the woman starts to speak but misty continues down the hall wardell's office is bigger than the woman's office why would that be if this is vr space he's got a fish tank and a view of a winter wilderness misty sits down at his desk as screens appear before her dials and controls materialize on the desk no mouse and keyboard I wonder what his job is. The mental goliath that is his knowledge of what his job is overwhelms Misty. He maps AI processes for a living. He goes into the brains of AI that evolved themselves and tries to figure out what's doing what. Though his line of work is common, it's highly sought after. Misty asks mentally, What year is this? The assistant says, The year is 2194. The screens in front of her are showing many views of the project he was working on yesterday. Except for computing power, AIs have no limit to how many dimensions their brains can think in. Human brains think in three dimensions, no matter what. But an AI can build a project in a space of thousands of dimensions. That's why now Misty looks at dozens of windows where Wardell has divided the AIs think space into separate 3D spaces handling different dimensions of the same space. His brain prompts her to pick up where he left off yesterday. Misty feels a migraine coming on. Wardell's brain feels a migraine coming on, which is the first time for his brain. I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to do this. The memories aren't enough. She feels his brain having a chemical riot. A small woman walks in. Wardell, you're not feeling well. Misty knows this isn't a real person. This is a Supervisor AI. I'm not feeling well. The avatar says, Do you need a medical pass? Misty says, Yes. I'm sorry. The avatar says, That's fine. The AI gives Misty a compassionate smile. You can log out. I hope you feel better soon. Misty says, Thank you. A VR button in front of her says, Log out of work. She blinks at it, and finds herself back in the apartment. It feels like his flesh is frozen and his bones heat up, thawing his body from the inside out. She regains the ability to move again, steps forward, and feels his arms. They are not cold. Did his body go cold in the first place? There's that smell again. The future smells like something, and she doesn't know what it is. The future smells like another planet. His brain wants him to sit. Misty walks to the nearest sofa and sits down. His body is smaller than hers. She touches around his head to find what's giving her VR and AR but finds nothing. She shuts his eyes as the headache fades. 2194. That's like 150 years. What happened to my tribe in all that time? Dread mixes with desperate hope. She must find out but she's afraid to look. In 2040, Massless Time Travel continues in the next podcast. Listen to the next podcast to find out what happens next to Misty. Thank you for listening. I will never run ads on this podcast. Please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe so that more future-minded people can find this show. My landing page is N20XX.com. There, you can find the companion website to this podcast that includes an illustrated timeline and glossary.